As we begin this morning, I wanted to start by reading a passage of Scripture, and it's a familiar passage for many of us. Uh, but as I read it, I want you to continue to think about the context of uh, being the church, the context of being a member in the body of Christ, you know, and actually using this verse as one of the standards uh, by which we choose to act and respond. It's in Philippians chapter 2, the first 11 verses. It says this, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full in full accord of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. There is no greater name than the name of Jesus. And one day, every knee on heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow to Jesus. Some of us have the opportunity because we have this relationship with Jesus. Now we'll bow to him as the king of glory, as our Lord and Savior. Some of them will bow to him knowing that they could have spent eternity with him, worshiping him, but instead will spend an eternity separated from him in eternal torment in a place called hell. As we consider about being members of a local body of believers, we need to remember that, that we are the church. And it's not our church, it's Christ's church. Christ himself, who didn't consider equality with God something that could be attained because he already was God. Christ himself, who humbled himself to take on human flesh, the very thing that he created, and that even as a human through obedience, humbled himself even to death. And not only death, but the most brutal death that there ever was, crucifixion. So Paul is saying this, that if there's any participation with his spirit, if there's, there's any affection for him, any sympathy for, for him, then make his joy complete by being like-minded, by having the mind of Jesus Christ, that we would consider ourselves servants, that we would lay ourselves down for him and for his church. And so as we move forward as a church, this is an incredible passage that we all need to keep at the forefront of our minds, that if we're going to be the church, that we recognize that we need to come humbly. It's not our church. We did nothing to gain the church. We did nothing to purchase the church, but that Jesus Christ, through his humility, laid down his life so that we could have a relationship with him one day in eternity, a relationship with him on earth now that is transformative in our lives, 
but that we could see him unite the body of Christ together to be that we, what we could never be apart. And so if we're going to be the church and we're going to continue to look forward to how we can serve God and how we can be all that God has called us to be so that we can fulfill the mission that Jesus left us with to make disciples of all nations, then we need to come humbly as servants. And so as we continue in this series and, and we look at what it means to be a healthy church member, in light of that, one of the things that we must do if we're going to be a healthy church member is lay down our own preferences. We need to remember that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be rescued from the, the wages of our sin, which was death, the wages of our sin that entangles us while we're on earth, but that one day we would spend an eternity separated from God in utter torment, knowing that we could have been with God. God rescued us from disaster and brought us into the body of Christ that we call his church. You know, when we understand that we've been rescued, when we understand that, and that we are utterly desperate and that he snatched us out of the gates of hell, we come into the church with no strings attached. We don't come into the church with these preferences. We come into the church in utter worship, in humility, knowing that we're just grateful that he snatched me out of that. We didn't come with rights. We didn't come with privileges. We came as humble servants in utter thanksgiving of what he's done in our life. And we worship this God who in his great love has had mercy and compassion upon us. And therefore we think of one another more significantly than we think of ourselves because God has called us together. If we thought about laying down our preferences in this context, one, for the glory of God, and two, for drawing others closer to Christ, I think we'd be much more willing to lay those preferences that we have down at his feet so that we can continue to glorify God. I think you'd all agree with me that in the Americanized church that what church has become is totally different as we've been talking about what membership is from an Americanized perspective that is not biblical. We have this understanding, you know, the the Americanized church has really adopted the American culture so much so that it has so infiltrated the church that we don't even notice it. Those of you that grew up in my generation, what was the McDonald's slogan when we were young? And nobody wants to identify with my age. Is that what the deal is? Right? You deserve a break today, right? You deserve a break today. So come and let us prepare your meal for you. You can give us a little bit of money for it, but guess what? You deserve a break today. And so in, in my generation, we have come up with this mindset that we deserve a break, that we deserve this and we deserve that, that we deserve the Americanized dream, that we deserve a great job, that we deserve this big house, we have a nice car, a great family, and a, and a great wife and husband. We, we deserve all this. When I look at the Word of God, you know what I see that I deserve? God's wrath. I deserve the wages of my sin. I don't deserve any of the things that our culture tells us to deserve. In fact, I deserve the opposite of that. And so when we come to the church, if we come with the Americanized mindset, we come with this entitlement mentality that really is not biblical. We need to come to the church recognizing who we are and whose we are, that we are servants of Jesus Christ, that we need to come humbly for the glory of God, not coming because I deserve something, not coming because I have these things that I want. Matter of fact, the disciples wasn't quite the same as what the Americanized church is, but they came with this idea that, hey, 
who is going to be the greatest. You remember when they're sitting there debating this? When you look at Mark chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus very quickly spoke to them. He sat down and he, he called the 12 and he said to them, Hey, listen, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the last and the servant of all. Next chapter over in chapter 10, verse 44, he said, Whoever wants to be first among you should be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, even Jesus himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Lest we think that we have any ownership of the church, let us always continually be reminded that it was Jesus who paid the ransom for you. Jesus who paid the ransom for me. That Jesus paid the ransom that nobody could pay so that we could be the church. And then in Matthew 23, verses 11 through 12, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Here's a verse for all of us. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This was to combat what the enemy was, the, the, the enemy was putting into the minds of the disciples. You know, as soon as they started being puffed up about their position in the church, Jesus very quickly said, no, you will come humbly. And so as we move forward as a church, we need to look at our preferences and, and be willing to sacrifice them at the altar for the glory of God because there is no need and right for preferences and privileges in the church because we're all his servants. But when we think about drawing other people closer to Christ, then we can lay down our preferences for the sake of bringing others closer to Christ. You know, Tom Rainer, he, did, he does lots of research with Lifeway, and he, he looks at a lot of different things in churches. You know, and I, as I shared last week in, in his book, The Autopsy of a Dead Church, uh, there's a variety of things that he's found. Here's the top 10 things that churches that are inwardly focused and churches that are inwardly focused are on their way to dying a death. Here's the top 10 things that they argue about. The first one, the number one thing is worship wars. That poor worship pastors have to hear over and over and over about what people want to sing. It's not about your preference. In fact, when I read the Word of God, it, what it says is not the genre to sing. It says that you will worship God Almighty because there is none other, nothing else worthy of worship, that we are going to worship God. You know, and so when we think in the context of I'm coming to church without rights, without privileges, that it's not about what I want to sing, but what is going to draw other people closer to Jesus Christ. And I'm more willing to give up my preferences. Hey, let's be honest. What our youth like to listen to is not exactly what I like to listen to. But I'm going to tell you what. If what they want to listen to is going to draw them closer to Jesus, then me, who is a little bit more spiritually mature, shouldn't I be willing to give up my preference for the sake of them coming closer to Jesus Christ? Absolutely. But as I've interviewed worship pastors over the last few years, you know what I hear over and over and over? The crowd that complains the most about music is supposed to be the most spiritually mature crowd in the whole church. It's not the youth who are complaining. It's the adults. It's not about your preference. It's not about my preference. It's about worshiping God and bringing him glory and drawing one another through love closer and closer and closer to Jesus. Some want to dress up 
for church in their best because that's what their culture taught. Some in cultures want to dress down because they're more comfortable. What difference does it make if people are coming closer to Jesus Christ? I give up my preference. Some want the carpet to be red. Some want the carpet to be blue. How about we just get rid of the carpet altogether if that's going to draw people closer to Jesus Christ? The second thing is that in their meetings, they have all these meetings over minutia, over the little detail, like the color of the carpet, the color of the paint on the walls, very different things. They're so focused about the little that they miss the big picture on what God has called us to do as far as being his church. They are more focused on the facility than they are on the lost, right? They're focused on the facility. Why? Because they think the facility is the church. The facility is not the church. You and I are the church. Should we take care of what God has given us? Absolutely. But it's, it, we ought to be thinking more about the lost than we are about the building. Churches that are inwardly focused and dying are program-driven, and their programs are usually focused upon themselves, not reaching the lost. You know, as a matter of fact, when it comes to evaluating programs, they get so defensive about the program that they're not even willing to evaluate the program to see if it's helping them with the mission of the church. And when you ask them, why do you do this, here's what they usually say. We've just always done that. Was well, it working for you? Well, we've just always done that. Inwardly focused churches have inwardly focused budgets that are more about them than it is reaching the lost, more about them than it is about missions. You know, all you got to do is look at somebody's finances, and I'll tell you what where the real heart is. You know, and so as he's looked at these things, this is what he's found. You know, inwardly focused churches are more concerned about pastors for their pastoral care than they are about equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. And so pastors are always being given a hard time about, well, you didn't come see me when I had a cold this week. Well, if I were to tell them that I was sharing the gospel with somebody, it wouldn't change their mind. There's attitudes of entitlement that pervade these types of churches that we think that we deserve something. Well, when we understand that we deserve nothing, there's no room for entitlements. There's a greater concern about change than there is about the gospel. Change in the, in the, the word change in the church is a dirty word. You're going to do what? Well, let me tell you this. How many people are alive today? Some of you are dead. You can't even raise your hand, Right? <laughs> If you're alive, you are constantly changing. Every living organism is in the process of change all the time. Change is a good thing because it means you're alive. Yeah, you talk about change in the church and whoo, you might as well start looking for another job. Change is good. Anger and hostility are things that show up in these churches. And the evangelism, well, not much of that going on at all because we're so focused upon ourselves that we're not focused on what God has called us to. So when it comes to being a healthy church member, we lay down our preferences for the sake of God's preferences, for the sake of being the church to fulfill the mission that he's given us to draw people closer to Christ through the gospel that those of us who already have a relationship with Christ are continuing to grow in that relationship with Christ. So what? So that we can go and tell other people, as because we are witnesses for him about the good news of Jesus Christ, that their lives can be transformed, they can be rescued out of disaster, so that they can continue to grow with Christ, so that they can then in turn do the same. What typically happens in the Americanized church is it becomes all about us as the body of Christ, and we forget about those who don't know Jesus. It needs to be both and. 
when we keep Philippians in mind that it's about the glory of God out of total humility for what Jesus has already done. And so if we're going to be healthy church members, we need to be able to be willing to lay down our preferences for the sake of God's glory, for the sake of drawing other people closer to Christ. But the second thing I want us to see this morning is that we need to be willing to pray, specifically for our church leaders. You know, I shared a couple weeks ago about the intense pressure that, that pastors face, that if you've never been a pastor, you just will never understand, and I, nor would I want you to understand the pressure. You know, and, and I want to make sure that you know that... Um, you know, I shared some of my past from, you know, serving in other churches. Uh, I, I'm not experiencing that right here, but I do, I do want you to know that the pressure is still intense. This week has been an incredibly intense week of caring for the body, you know, and, and a going to battle on behalf of the body, and that you just don't understand. In fact, Thursday I was at the SBCV offices talking to some other pastors, and these are seasoned pastors, you know, and one of the things that came out was that because of the preferences of some, very few in the church, pastors have been run out of the ministry, not for things that are unbiblical, but because of the personal preferences of sinful people in the church. That ought not to be. And we recognize that it's not about our preferences, that we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for them. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. I want you to see what the Bible says that the requirements for a pastor are and, and, in trying to help you see that this is another reason why we need to pray so much for our pastors is just the, the biblical requirement that's on them. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 7. It says this, the, the, Therefore, an overseer, another word for a pastor, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respect hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into, the grace, into disgrace and the snare of the devil. How many of you, after reading that, want to be a pastor? Look, pastors can't do it on their own strength. It's impossible. It's, it's difficult for me to care for my own family when so many people want my time and attention during the week to care for them. You know, so even managing my household well sometimes is difficult because of demands that are put on me by the church. You know, and let me just tell you, my number one priority is them, Christ, my family, and then ministry. But yet everybody, everybody has an idea of what the pastor's schedule ought to be like. And your idea is different than your neighbor's idea, and it's different than what you're going through in life. You know, it's, it's all different. I can't do it on my own strength. No pastor can do it on, on his own strength. But you know what? God has given us something special, this supernatural thing called prayer to pray for one another, to pray God's blessings and protection on one another. You know, and God has called us to, to do that with one another, to pray and to bear one another's burdens. And, to, and let me just tell you how much uh, it fills my soul with joy to know that people are praying. People come up to me and say, Dave, how can I pray for you? Our family prays for you every day. What can we pray for you? The group of ladies that meets on, on Tuesdays at, at lunchtime to pray. 
is, man, I'll tell you what, for us as staff, it's awesome. We need to, to be a healthy church member willing to lay our preferences down at the altar of God for His glory and for the sake of others coming closer to Christ. We need to be willing to pray for one another because the enemy has a bullseye on the leader's back so that if he can take us out, he can cause chaos. And when he calls chaos, he can take other people out very easily. But there's one more thing I want us to see this morning in addition to laying our preferences down and in addition to praying for one another, especially leaders, is that when we become healthy church members, we need to help our family members become healthy church members also. You know, it's, it's, I think it's easy for us to always drift back towards our sinful nature. It's easy for us to get these critical spirits where we are complaining about things and we forget about the fact that we're not supposed to have preferences in the first place. Uh, I would say this, that the, the most popular menu for lunch on Sunday afternoons is roast preacher. It's easy just to say, well, what do you think about that? Well, I thought he was off his rocker. Or what do you think about what the change is doing? And we start complaining about things as though it's ours. It's not ours. But, you know, there's something about when we start to become healthy that becomes contagious. You all know that it's been almost two years that I've been here. And shortly after I got here, I think it might have been the water here on this, on this site. I put on 20 pounds real quick. You know, and I had all these excuses, right? Torn hamstring, ruptured plantar fascia, blood clot. I had all these excuses, but guess what I didn't stop doing? I didn't stop eating. I kept on filling all in there because I was used to eating whatever I want and burn it off, but now I couldn't. All of them blow up to this big thing, 20 pounds, and it actually was probably more than that. You know, and, I, and what, what happens is you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, man, you've got to do something, and then you don't. And you make excuse after excuse after excuse, and then you just kind of live with it. Until one day you decide to make a change. And so for me, I had to call out the other pastors and do this pastor challenge because that's just my competitive nature. And guess what? I ended up losing that weight fairly fast. I think I put some of it back on, but I'm just being honest. <laughs> Got to stop eating all those cookies. But you know, there's something about when, when you become healthy and you see progress that is incredibly motivating, that causes you to want to continue to get more and more healthy. And I think the same is true as a church, that when we get used to just the way we are and we start to drift towards this way that isn't really healthy and we don't even realize it until we start getting healthy and then there's this momentum and it gets exciting when you start seeing God doing things that he says he's going to do in his word as we're healthy church members he's bringing people to Christ there's an excitement and enthusiasm as we're seeing around here and it gets more and more and more exciting and so if we're going to continue to be this church we need to make sure that we don't drift back towards our sinfulness and our sinful ways. As a matter of fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, he was talking to people about this as well. You know, that let's not be judging one another. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, here's what Jesus says. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the same judgments you pronounce on, you, on others, will be, you will be judged. And with that measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, hey, let me take that speck out of your eye when you got this great big log protruding out of yours? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and see so that you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's. Too often when we start to drift towards unhealthiness, this is what shows up rather than what we saw in the beginning of, you know, in, in, 
Philippians chapter 2, we start drifting toward this critical spirit that we are looking at others and, and the problems that they have, and we are blinded to our own. I mean, visualize this verse like this, that you got this telephone pole that's protruding out of your eye, and everywhere you look, you're knocking people down because you... And you go, hey, man, let me get this speck out of your eye. Bam. And when we come at you, no, look at yourself first. Remember where you came from. That God snatched you out of disaster. He snatched you out of the gates of hell and he transformed your life. People come to church with all sorts of issues from that week, stuff in their life, things that they're struggling with themselves, things that the devil is putting on them and temptations and varieties, different things. We all come to church with all sorts of things. Jesus is saying, don't be judgmental. You have no idea. Look at yourself first. And then you'll be able to help them. When we are a healthy church and we're healthy church members, God does something special in us that he gives us a heart for people, not one that's critical, but a heart to draw them closer to Jesus, which sometimes means giving up my preference. And sometimes it means that we fast and pray for them. Next week, we're going to we're going to spend the whole time in prayer. But it won't be prayer like you're used to. It'll be something to blow your socks off. Corporate prayer that you'll probably talk about from now the time God takes you home, that when we pray with one another. God's calling all of us to be healthy church members so that we can be a healthy church. And so as we conclude this morning, I've got a question for you. If you were to rate yourself and your health as a church member on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being can't get any worse and 10 being I wouldn't be much better if I were in heaven, where are you on the scale? And let me say this before you choose. You can't choose number 7. All Christians want to choose number 7. It's the holy number. You can't choose that all right, so some of you are laughing because you were about to choose seven. I'm a seven. You proved my point. Wherever you are on the scale, here's the question I want to ask you, you to ask yourselves. What do you need to do today to move from a four to a five or a five to a six? What can you do? What is the Holy Spirit laying upon your heart to do to become a healthier church member? Maybe it's laying down your preferences. Maybe it's committing to pray for leaders. Maybe it's committing to, you know, your friends and your family, encouraging them to be healthy church members. But what is God calling you to do as a result of what we looked at in God's word today for you to be a healthier church member so that we can be a healthier church to together fulfill the mission that Jesus has given us to preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations for his glory. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these reminders that we have as we stick to your word and to come back to what it is that you created us to be a part of in the first place. God, we thank you for, for snatching us out of the gates of hell. We thank you for making us part of your church. We thank you, God, for bringing us to a local body of believers to participate with together. And God, all of us want to be healthy church members. God, all of us confess that we're not where we ought to be. And so God, right now, we pray that through the power of your spirit, that you would speak to each of our spirits individually and let us know what we can do to become more and more healthy so that we together collectively as a local body of believers can fulfill the mission that Jesus has left us with through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.